following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're listening to us later on in the week as well, too. It is always a pleasure. We got ourselves a very, very busy show here today, so I'm not going to take up too much of your time right now. I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-patriot, Kelsey, right now. Kelsey, we got we got a lot to talk about today. Got a lot of things to get into. We're going straight to the gridiron, if you will. But before we get there, we will touch on the court stuff for the kids out there that don't care, NBA, that do care, NBA Conference Finals underway. Lakers taking on the Nuggets, all-time great game one. If you want to talk about the Lakers, everyone and their mom is already talking about it, so we won't get too much into that. I'll say before before we before we talk too much about the Lakers, I think we got to bring in um, a little special someone to talk because I think he oh. has a little something before before he gets into the gridiron talk. I think he has a little something to something to, to get off his chest on this one. We might have crunch time at the very beginning of this episode. We're, we're gonna, we'll lead right into. It. We're going to go bring in the man, the myth, the legend, the football savant, the gridiron god himself, the leader of all things football, top to bottom. If it's pigskin, he is the man for it. The man, the myth, the legend. Zach Kyleman himself, round of applause for everyone. We appreciate you all. Appreciate you for joining us here once again to talk a little football and a little bit of something in between, too. Yeah, a little bit of something in between. You got me gassed up from not, from the pre at the end of the pre-show. I brought this, and then you know I'm <laughs> going to be talking about it right right now. I got basketball takes too. I got <laughs> my own stuff on some of the these uh, items with these conference finals, and it's a lot of coming down to the media coverage of these conference finals. That's that's the simple truth. I'll I'll let you I'll let you lead in with a few questions, but uh, hey, you know there's more teams than the Lakers out there in the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just be let's be frank, real quick. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I think it's an understatement to say that uh, the Lakers are getting a lot of attention, um, and and you know to some people, rightfully so. Obviously, you have LeBron, you have AD. Uh, you just gave up a triple double burger to uh, to Nikola Jokic, and 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 the, the I, you know. <laughs> Well, my, maybe a 30-burger to Jamal Murray. We just don't know if that's actually the truth because we haven't heard anything from from anybody talking about the Nuggets. So, uh, Zach, I do want to ask you. Obviously, you are a media guy. You are in the media. Um, now, you are not in the front side of fa- facing media outside of every podcast you do. But <laughs> on the, in, in, your, in your day job, well, you, what you get paid the big bucks for, you are behind the side of it. So you get to hear a lot of the talk. Yeah, what I mean, is it uh, – what is it you're hearing right now in the playoffs that's that's driving you crazy? Uh, well, I mean, look, I'm I only I only cover like or I'm on one of one of uh, two of the main one of two big I would say of these sports entities. Uh, I won't go into it just because I've I've come to learn just like let's just hold back. But I do tell I do work in television and I'm talking network television just to put it lightly. Um, it doesn't matter which one you cover, Fox, ESPN. The Lakers are the talk of the town. It doesn't matter what happens the night before. L.A. always is going to get that talk. And, I, and I'm, just, I'm just out here to say I'm a little sick of it. Let, let's, what happened to equal balanced basketball conversation out here? Like, I, why is every show, and I, I get, you know what, I, and I can even answer part of my own question. Why is every show talk L.A.? Well, dude, we're, all at the, we're all in Los Angeles, all the studios. We got all the stars in Los Angeles. Like, who gives a crap? Come on, man. I want to hear about the Denver Nuggets. I want to hear about that very talented roster. I want to hear, how did I not hear in, in today, while we're recording and going live right now, or how we're doing this, I, I always forget sometimes, but um, how is it right now that 
I don't hear about Aaron Gordon or I don't hear about Michael Porter Jr. in these conversations. I barely hear about Jamal Murray. You know, Nikola Jokic has to be talked. Well, come on. That's a very talented roster in Denver. Like, how are we not discussing this? It, 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 it always goes back to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm tired of hearing about the Lakers people. It's not always L.A. Sometimes it's about the other side of the equation. Please. Just going to add on to that. You mentioned Jamal Murray, 30-plus points and six-plus assists assist while in foul trouble, and nobody would know the difference. Like, like, I heard Nick Wright talking about him today on Speak for Yourself. You know what he made it implied? Ah, it doesn't matter. Murray, he had, he had a once-in-a—it sounded like it was a once-in-a-moon performance. He had these wacky shots. They're not going to do it two games in a row. L.A.'s going to steal one of those games in Denver. It doesn't matter. Denver's, Denver's only talented for one night. They, they, they put up just enough. That, that's that's the game he put up. That that was the argument. Oh, yeah, no, don't worry. Los Angeles is going to come back and apparently shoot consistently 46% from three-point range, even though his own cohort on his show pointed out uh, they don't shoot well three-point three range anyway. You're telling me they're going to do that on a regular basis every night and that AD is going to score 40 a night on a regular basis, which he doesn't do in any part of the season during his tenure with LA. I'm sorry. Why are we not talking about these other pieces? You're ignoring so much crucial info out of game one, because you want to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got to say, I'm so happy to see Zach this pumped up about something not named Jay Cutler. Like you guys understand (laughs) how many times I've made Jay Cutler jokes (laughs) and Zach gets this pumped up. And to see and hear him get pumped up about something else, I'm so like I'm having a proud father moment. Like I'm, you know, not that I, but like this is just a great moment for me because Zach's your soul. And to hear somebody else complain about L.A. Like I've complained about L.A. in basketball for years, and well, I mean, you can include baseball in that as well. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, it's to hear that is fantastic. But I agree, everything Zach's saying right now is 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 spot on. And you know, you talk about not pl- talking about players, not just not just players but you also not talking x's and o's and dj you know we love to talk x's and o's every time we talk sports especially basketball it's one of our best things about one of our best ways to break down basketball that we both both have to our advantage what's what made our color casts a little bit different so you know dj like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna look at you because talking media you were also a media guy you got you get it why why are why are they going away from the x's and o's well, we don't have enough quite to show for us to get into that, but basically because laziness, that's how we're going to stick with it. We're going to keep it simple and to say it's laziness and simplicity and because they know it's going to work. It's basically like it's as simple and lazy that they can get away with as well. They don't have to put too much thought and effort into it as well. So. I blame that and hot take culture still existing, even though we're past the prime of hot take culture by at least three, four years at this point. I mean, it, that, that, that's, that to me is what needs to change. We need to go back to like, more regular like more regular basketball and sports conversation that talks about why things happen and make that the norm again you know the closest that does it is nba tonight on tnt and the the shame of that is is that we might not even have that show very soon given the fact that warner discovery is debating on not getting nba rights again so i'm like oh great we might not have the best crew in basketball who does even though it sometimes isn't always analytical does the most analytical talk in the basketball scene and is the best show in the scene. What am I going to do? Am I going to go to ESPN's NBA playoff coverage? Hell no. It's horrible. It's one of the worst <laughs> ones in this in there as well. Fox 
they again, it's baseline stuff. I've complained enough already on just speak for yourself. I could talk about Colin Coward and and Undisputed even worse. Undisputed's even worse than Speak for Yourself, and that is insane to even imagine because Shannon Sharp can only talk about the Lakers. I will <laughs> the say man too, himself, yeah. the sideline season ticket holder himself. What NBA needs is and what NFL Live is doing with like Dan Orlovsky, Minka Kimes, and that crew. What they're doing for NFL Live, they need basketball needs their version of that too, where it's primarily numbers and humor, if that makes sense too, not emotional ravaging that sort of thing too. But, but that or NBA Network needs a Good Morning Football equivalent because that would also be very much a welcome change. Is saying you know what, go to that channel. That one has a good, fun, loving show, just like NBA Tonight on TNT, and it's going to be around probably longer or a better chance or go and get that whole crew and move them over there because I don't want them to see Shaq yeah. and all those guys leave. So save them. Save Ernie Johnson. Yes, please. Give him a place in a hole. Ernie yeah, save, Ernie. Save, save Ernie. Save, save Chuck. Say, you know, Kenny could, we could maybe replace Kenny. He doesn't really do a whole lot for that team, but save Shaq. Keep Kenny save Shaq. or keep, keep Shaq, Ernie and, and Chuck together. And then maybe bring in KG as that fourth guy. Cause he's already on, he's already on the NBA channel. So you might as well. Keep him there, but I will say, like, as far as the NBA goes, you think NBA Network, y'all have all the access to the former NBA players. You could do a better team than a team that consists of KG as an, an, an analyst. But you know, hey, what do I? What do we know? What do we know at the end of the day? Right? And, and I, I talk football, but I still follow basketball. I still follow. I, I do. Part of it's because of my job, but I still follow the sport. <laughs> I know Absolutely. enough. You know, we're kind of right in the line of the old high low sports mantra rankings, recaps, and r- rankings and recaps and rants. We've kind of hit all three of those already in this nine minute mark. We can keep going if we want to, not a problem. Oh, we can we can give you a whole breakdown on 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 NBA analysis rankings. But the title I mean, is Zach Talman talks football, so we're going to re- bring ourselves back on track here now and take ourselves yeah, right fine. into that's the tip off here. And our tip off, of course, is brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek. Use code Bellio Sports for twenty dollars off your first order and. Zach, we're coming back to the gridiron. I'm steering us back on course. Well, you know it's a sad day when I'm the one checking us back in. We're going to go into the USFL season now underway. A handful of games in, checking in. First of all, I'm just going to – it's second year of USFL since it kind of re-kicked back up. So I'll just go ahead and start with what are your thoughts so far? How do you think the new season's going? What, what's your feeling so far? Oh, I think the season's going great for them. Uh, just seeing, first off, you get more markets that are going to have their own home teams. Yes, it's, it's, it's still a process. It's not all of them. But I'll tell you right now, you know, Memphis and Detroit have been excellent markets. I've gone to all three of the main hubs. Uh, Canton I'll go to later this summer uh, for the championship yeah, game. So hopefully get to run into both or one of you guys again this year, like we did last year, you and me, Kelsey. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a little less, little less cramping in the, involved Ho- in that Hopefully a chair will be in place <laughs> so that you do not <laughs> have to go, God Man, <laughs> that but, was rough. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be talking uh, details on that because we are doing our live stream again, Summer Stock 2 uh, for this season. Still working some details, much like our uh, spring events we've been doing. But season two, uh, crisper gameplay. I think it's been more competitive. I think it's been more competitive overall. Yes, there have been less one possession games from last year. But here's the thing. We're five weeks in and you two, if you've been following the league so far, the standings, it's wide open for both divisions. And that yep. w- that's a complete different story from last year. Uh, the North Division, all four teams are two and three with five weeks left to go in the season. There's no clear, decisive winners right now on who's going to make the playoffs for that. In the South, we just had the worst team in the South, which was one of the worst teams in the league, upset the best team in the league that was 4-0 going into the weekend. And now all teams are separated by two games 
right now. The second playoff seed is separated by one, and we just had the Gamblers upset the Birmingham Stallions, and they get their first game up. I see you celebrating with your hurrahs, your applause. So sad. Hmm. I'm telling you, it's uh, five weeks in. We're having a blast right now. It's good football, good quality fun. I, love, I will always praise this because I'm a broadcast junkie. Fox and NBC's broadcasts are impeccable. Fox in particular, seriously, I can't. I've had some people try and argue that, you know, they're not. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? This is like NFL quality camera work. The slow-mo cameras are insanely impressive. And some of the new angles they've been putting, you see, they've been using drones. They've been putting them upper top of the stadiums yeah. in recent games, almost like a video game. Look, it's, it's nuts. They've been doing so much experimentation with the broadcasts. I love it. And it's even more so than last year, but the football is what's important. It's been good football and we're only, we're already only five weeks in. Uh, we're going to see even better coming so far into the next five, uh, including one part that I thought was going to be crucial. There's been better QB play so far this year. Um, of course, when you add a two-time Grey Cup MVP to a team, that helps. But the Stallions also have one of the best quarterbacks in Alex Magoo, who was a backup to start the year, but he does get to show out as a healthy quarterback option this season. Has already thrown ten touchdown passes through five weeks, leading the league. Uh, and then you also, have, you know, for your Gamblers, DJ Kenji Bahar, who I was—I'll be honest—I ranked him as kind of lower down in the rankings. I didn't know if it would pull out as well as as well as it's been for the Gamblers because Curtis Johnson came in with the shortest amount of time of any coach to reestablish a roster and staff and say, we're going to do this. And you know what? After they lost to the Panthers, it's been a complete, for the most part, 180 because they competed either with New Orleans by a possession or they have basically had their way and have taken games three straight since. And now they're looking pretty imposing. And again, that's just the whole league right now. It's been kind of all over the place. My Panthers, they started 2-0. and they can't win at home whatsoever, and they're probably not going to win this week against the Stallions, if I'm being honest. So they're actually the most dismal team this so far this year, and I had them ranked at number three at one point because I thought they had turned a new leaf. I look like an idiot now, but that's where the league's at at this point. It's good. It's good, though. Parody. That's what I like to see. Yeah, no, I, I got you know I want to go back to something you touched on. You touched on quarterbacks there, and you, you, you mentioned uh, Bethel Thompson here, obviously coming in from the CFL, and, and wow. Uh, and, you know, I guess it, I guess if nobody's ever seen him play, it's a wow uh, for those of us who have seen him play. It's like, OK, this is what he does. But even to that degree, 1300 yards through five games is pretty insane to even consider at any levels like yeah. of, of playing quarterback outside of maybe being a D1 talent playing, you know, D1 double A or D3 NAIA type of talent like like. Really, it's it, what he's doing is, is pretty incredible to watch. And, and you mentioned Magoo as well with 10 touchdowns so far in five games. Pretty incredible. Five teams, two and three. Two teams, three and two. One team, four and one. Uh, it's It seems like this year's USFL kind of figured it out, if that makes sense. There's a lot more. I think you mentioned parity. But, like, you know, I want to go back to the quarterbacks. What is the difference this year between the quarterbacks? Because, obviously, Magoo being healthy – for for the stallions but also you know you have bethel there and then you have love uh you know to talk about uh, you know maybe michigan's not great but he's still ranked in the sure. top three in touchdowns um and you know you have so many different options here at quarterback from every team like what what do you think has been is it is it the quarterback play purely or has it been everything from this top to bottom like from the line to defense like what, do, what have you seen the biggest improvement positional wise between the two seasons i think position wise it has been overall quarterback but i do also want to put that for me for most of these rosters 
Uh, and this is, I think, goes to figure with just how we're seeing some of these guys adapt. I, I think it's just offensive coordinators and coaching in general has improved. Uh, again, Cur- Curtis Johnston, you know, or Johnson, I keep pronouncing his name wrong. It's Johnson, not Johnston. That's Daryl Johnson I'm thinking of while I'm doing this. But Curtis Johnson, okay. you know, former former Tulane head coach, former 12-year yep. assistant head coach, mostly with New Orleans under Sean Payton's tenure over there in New Orleans. You know, he came in, again, with only like, three, four months to prepare. He was the last one to kind of come in after Kemba someone accepted a job with Maryland to help with offensive coordinating over there in the Big Ten. So, you know, I was wondering how this would work. And, you know, last year, I think if you had a guy like this join late, I don't think this would have worked out so well. You have brand new guys to a brand new system that maybe aren't used to the league and they're having to try and gel even quicker last year. They had a bit more extended training camp this year by about a week and a, about a week, week and a half extra that they got to work together. Uh, no mini camps or anything. So still none of that early on items, but they still got a little more time. And I think coaches, there's just, I think it's just better coaching floor this year right now. Uh, I mean, John DiFilippo, and that's not saying anything towards Larry Fedora, but DiFilippo is definitely bringing an expertise NFL mind to this league. I mean, he has been having a masterclass in offense so far this year in all phases. Wes Hills leading the league in rushing right now and tied in touchdown in touchdown runs. Uh, they have the leading receiver in the league. They have the leading passing yards leader in the league and probably could be leading in touchdown passes if Wes Hills isn't snubbing short yardage <laughs> running touchdowns. I mean, this is what we're talking about. You have him coming in. Curtis Johnston, or Johnson, I said it again, but I will go with it. Curtis Johnson, he comes in. You know, first first week doesn't have it figured out, but you know what? Their staff really improved. They cleaned things up. They brought in really good, really good talent, not only on the on the coaching staff, but also in their own side of the field. You know, brought in former stars that I think fit better in their system, and that they're finishing games, which is crazy. That somehow one of the league's best defenses in Houston is still playing arguably a really solid level with losing most of that star talent to the NFL or the XFL for that matter. And they just had some of their best weeks of their year these past two weeks, one in Birmingham and then the previous week against Philadelphia stars, you know, holding them to only 16, only 16 points, which is impressive feed multiple sack game. I think it's the coaching, you know, QB play does have, have some factors, you know, Troy Williams over in Pittsburgh, by the way. But again, what's the other key over there in Pittsburgh? You have, you have Ray Horton and his son, Jaron, working together as coaches. You know, that defense improved year over year. You know, Ray is, of course, a defensive mind. Jaron, definitely a defensive mind as a coordinator. But they're also figuring out the offense. John Tomlinson, he was given the keys to the castle in terms of play calling last year instead of Kirby Wilson. Look where that's gone. Every week their offense has improved, week over week statistically and performance-wise. Coaches, I think, are changing it. And that's funny. We lost half of them overturn from year over year, but yet yeah. we're seeing more competitive play. There's no Pittsburgh Mauler 2022 in this league right now because they all, all, all squads have made adjustments. Even Todd Haley, Todd Haley last week, getting an upset over New Orleans. He looked like a laughing stock through three weeks. He's had two wins in a row so far, one over Michigan, but the other was the impeccable one over New Orleans. And he gets to go home this week and play the Pittsburgh Maulers to possibly see who goes three and three. Two teams were either a joke this year or at some point or last. Now everyone's talking, hey, we have no idea who the hell is the worst team right now. Maybe Michigan, but that's only because they've lost three in a row. It's, it's hard to dictate that. It's because the coaches have been so good this season. Yeah, no, really, it has been. 
Yeah, absolutely. One thing I wanted to kind of talk about is we're going to circle back before the season because one thing the USFL did that I thought was really fun was that draft that they had as well, too. Bringing in new players. Obviously, you got to be a big part of that, which was awesome as well, too. So once again, that was really cool to see. I want you to tell me what you think how the draft has changed the league. Have you seen some of these players come and make a big difference? Do you think that kind of maybe revitalized the league, just kind of gave it that a different feel? Because that's the first time in my recent memory I could think of where an alternative football leagues had like a big broadcasted drafted that scenario where kind of not gonna say matches the NFL draft, but it's like on a congruent playing field, if that makes sense. How those the yeah, influx I, I, of players has changed it. I think a lot of us didn't know what it was going to be like until they announced the college aspect, because I think some of us thought, oh, well, they're going to do a draft, but they'll do like a free agency pickup. And then as the season, as the off season went on through like, say, July, June, July, you know, into the late fall, you're like, okay, we're seeing free agent signings. This is a little different. So we're now we're trying to wait and see. And then the college draft comes up. And I think a lot of people assume that these players were going to get instant invitations. Like it was a free agent thing, but you realize, you know, and I think a lot of people don't, assume this or don't know this entirely if you're a casual fan because you see a draft in the NFL you go well of course they're going to go to the NFL team well drafts don't mean you are on a roster the the team gets your rights but you still have to go sign you see the signing periods after the draft right now in the NFL I mean the Bears just signed three of their guys this past week you know they're still trying to negotiate some of those rookies that's how this works you know the USFL they just said rights. I mean, we heard Malik Cunningham at the at, at yeah. the combine say, "Oh, I will. I I didn't know this was going on," which I I call BS. I think he did. I think he was just trying to guard himself from you know getting a stigma, whatever the hell that was. But I think a lot of people were wondering about how that would work. And so far, it's had very few returns. We've had a, we've had a minimum. I think it's like four players right now that have taken those opportunities to say, "I was drafted here. I'll sign on and go to my drafted team." Uh, Traquan Dorsey, uh, with the Maulers is the most, is the first one that got picked up off the board, uh, defensive lineman for the Maulers. So, you know, there, we are seeing a few, I, I think that that only comes more in time that we'll see kind of responses. It's still a young phase for spring football. And I think players and their agents, it, the more years you see leagues return, and that the more they hear about like financial stability and like the good press around it, you know, you get more agents talking about it that are like, oh, this is pretty good level. You know, maybe maybe if you don't get picked up, maybe your kid gets some good film. And, you know, instead of waiting on a mini camp and getting cut, maybe you go over here, you know, after the draft, like midway through the season. Or, you know, if you're an XFL talent, there were a few XFL guys that got picked up. They went to the league early. And then I think they actually had eligibility to go into the NFL draft if they wanted, uh, depending on their contract situation. So you look at that, and I think the more years you put under your belt and prove yourself, you know, agents will trust that more. They'll tell their their players more that, hey, don't worry, don't think about this as a non-option. Think about this as a stepping stone. And then in years future, I think we'll see more and more of that happen. It also comes down to who you pick up because, yes, if you're like a – if you're like a player that say probably will go rounds four through seven, you're probably going to wait and get picked up rounds four through seven. You're not going to jump on your opportunity. If you're a guy that keeps getting projected as a, well, maybe you landed a seven, but uh, you might be a, you know, an, uh, an undrafted free agent. That's where I'm like, that that's the market you should be going for is those guys that are like, they're pretty good, but maybe they didn't get as much recognition. Maybe they're power five schools, but they're more contributors and not like the flashy NFL prototypical dudes. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, and I think that that is what they're going to think. It's, it's a two-way street. Teams on the spring side have to realize that you're not going to get that instant talent or you're taking a risk that later down the line they get picked up. Like, for example, the Panthers, my Panthers, they picked up Tanner Morgan. And I went, 
uh, Morgan's great. I would love him in the spring football, but much like all my other buddies, we're like, I don't see him going to this. He, he's going to either get picked up as a UFD or a UDFA, or he's going to get picked up super late and take that chance. But if he gets dropped, hey, there's a slot for you right here next year. We have your rights. Just uh, say you want to come by, and uh, we'll give you a, we'll give you a contract, and you can come on but on down for some film because that's what you're giving them at that point. Like, say you, you're you're a fringe guy, it doesn't work out. Hey, we got your back. We're right here. You know, trust us. We got some good yeah. film. We got players, and you can even advertise that too. USFL, sixty of our players, even with a later later in the se- in the season turnover got into camps and 24 of them got to practice squads or active rosters by the end of the cutdowns. You still have a shot. You can go somewhere else and play. I'll say not just that, but then you can also add in two, I believe three, uh, were, were, or no, two for sure made the pro pro bowl. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. out of guys that were in the USFL last year, I'm looking at Robert Turbin as, as, as probably the most highlight, biggest highlight of one and then special teamer for Washington as well. Uh, both made the Pro Bowl from that oh, were USFL absolutely. guys. Absolutely, but you yeah, know, I mean, Tur- Turpin's story should be like the marquee one where it's going like, "Hey, yeah. that guy, look at look at his his fall from grace, and look at how he clawed his way back through uh, through three different leagues that were small scale leagues, so that he could go and get his shot to get an All Pro nod and a three year contract, by the way, as well. Yeah, you know, to the point where you have your own fandom, Kelsey, talking. Why isn't this guy getting more targets? Why aren't they using him more? They're only using him for returns? Come on, guys. We need to get him some passes. You know, that's what we're talking about right now. As a person that was A-OK with Devin Hester just returning kicks, I am A-OK with having Turbin just returning kicks because do what you're good at. I don't need you to try to catch passes if that's not something you consistently do. So I'm OK with that. But I do want to go back to one thing. You mentioned fringe players. I also want to also throw in some guys that need to kind of recover from maybe they were a four through seven or they were a high draft pick in some cases, but they didn't really pan out for various reasons. May it be legal, personal, whatever. One of those guys right now having a fantastic season in the USFL and looking at Ruben Foster. Ruben Foster, a guy I've been very, very outspokenly distrustful of is the best way to put it uh, throughout his entire football career. We'll say it's good to see him get back in the league after everything was proven that he was, you know, in the clear uh, false allegations. So good to see him back playing, but more importantly, yeah. seeing him be so impactful for Pittsburgh, seeing him lead what is one of the better linebacker probably duos in the league. I mean, you got to say probably top two, top three, maybe in in, in the league uh, as far as potential. But guys like that, I, I mean, that should be their target audience for sure. As you look at Ruben Foster's as a kind of highlight player right now in the league. Uh, as going forward. And then, you know, you mentioned maybe not even just rookies this year, but Carson Strong, um, mm-hmm. the guy that j- just didn't really get a chance, but he's playing for your Michigan Panthers. He hasn't really gotten much of a chance there yet. But, yeah, you know, it's too bad with Strong because he was just put on IR as well. Yeah. I, I got, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing with the Panthers. He got sacked four times last week. Uh, so, I mean, it's too bad. But, I mean, that's another, but I think like, between strong, especially Foster's story. I mean, I think that's an ideal one. If you're if you're a player looking for for that opportunity to kind of revamp or kind of restart, it's great. Because I mean, Foster, we all know he had his hype was immeasurable coming out yeah. coming oh, out absolutely. in the league. I mean, he was coming into San Francisco at the time and was supposed to be that next the next bastion of glory in the linebacking core for that for that for that team. And things just fell apart outside of football. You know, for unfortunately the worst reasons and. 
you know, you see him years later. People people were stunned to see him in this league. But it's funny. He came on, and sure, stuff might have been on behind the scenes, but he came on Twitter one day and basically asked, what, should I, what do you think of the USFL? Should I play in the USFL? Like, oh, he did. He just asked people. And they're like, well, I mean, do you want to restart your career? It's not a bad option. And then, you know, within a week, he's signed on for Pittsburgh and is playing up to what we remember him, just a tenacious attacking defender, someone that just has a knack for getting to the football and a knack for causing havoc. And he's been living up to that hype. I do see him as someone that right now is in one of those all USFL nods that could make his way to at least getting a camp shot again to where they're like, we didn't forget about your talent. We can give you a shot somewhere now that things are cleared up. I think a lot of people, for example, scouts with Foster, since he was away from football for a little bit, they're like, does he still have that it factor? This helps give you that it factor. That just shows you, okay, like, hey, he's still hitting people hard. He's still flying around the field. He's still getting multi- he's still getting upwards like five tackles a game and you know causing fumbles and all that. Like that to me as a scout, it's like, well, we remember what he was like. Let's take an effing shot. You know, screw it. You know, it, it, and we can give him like this like small deal in you know July if we pick him up, and then if he comes into camp hungry and he just dominates. F it. Then we give him like a minimum deal. And then if he goes and does even more, that's when you then like not saying it, it's a good thing for the player, but like that's what a scout can look at and what teams can look at is like it's lower risk because we're bringing him up from a different league. We don't have to, you know, worry about that. And they're hungry. Guys like him will be hungrier to make an impact right away because they want to stick and they, you know, they've been through the ringer. They want to get up there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And the last question I will have for rounding out the USL for my end is right now we got New Orleans sitting at the top four and one. We got last year's Birmingham Stallion sitting at three and two right now. We said that you kind of mentioned earlier, everyone's kind of really close together. It's almost like a giant bundle with all the teams. Who do you think would, if you had to pick a couple of favorites right now to break through by season's end, what are two teams you want you're keeping an eye on to maybe break through as the season goes along? Well, I do think Pittsburgh actually is going to break through. Uh, and I, last week when we were doing our USFL podcast, uh, I reiterated the same thing I had said just a little bit ago on here is that offensively, they've been getting better each week. Statistically, it's been more yardage. They've been get, playing cleaner football. Defensively, they're the best defense statistically in the league. Mm-hmm. And you could argue they're just the best period in the league right now against every team. Uh you have that as an anchor and that their only three losses are against the three best opponents in the league, at least on paper, which were New Jersey, New Orleans, and Birmingham, all relatively reasonable games. You know, Sands, New Jersey's, they lost by 17, but it didn't feel like they were out of it until mid fourth quarter. All I'm telling you is, is that that offense, if it kicks into gear, which it has, Troy Williams is the guy. Um, He showed it last week in Detroit that he is going to be that driving force moving forward they have a good shot of, dare I say, even winning the North right now uh, if they keep moving up the way they are. Defense wins championships, and if you can find any offensive skill set, you will win games. Uh, not to mention that he's getting a better rap report with a player that was good but on a bad team last year in Bailey Gaither that now is on a squad that has, to me, their best quarterback in, you can argue, not just their recent history, but maybe in their entire overall history because the Mowers, I mean, you look back to 1984, this 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 roster this team is known for failure in terms of just poor play but this is the best team i think they fielded since they've existed as a brand and i do believe that they have the best shot right now to break through in the north to be maybe the top seed in the north going in to the playoffs come june in the south you know i i love new orleans i think they'll still stick um 
I think that the other one that is kind of trending upward is Houston. And I think it's because they're, I think it's because you have Curtis Johnson the ref here. and company. I, I know I am. And he's been, <laughs> he's been really dogging me about the fact that I might've got that win in the beginning of the year, but now look who's, who's look at the tables, look how they've turned, you know? And it's be, it's because of the fact that they have a disciplined roster. Some folks are complaining about the penalties last week, which they got penalized zero times. But to me, they have a disciplined roster. They have a really good quarterback in Kenji Bahar that in terms of a better system and a, having a good second year-over-year experience at a pro level has done and has done head-over-heels better when healthy. Um, and they have, thanks to the fact that this gentleman's healthy now as well, arguably one of the top three running backs in the league and Mark Thompson who has stepped in and has completely changed the game because now they're not one-dimensional anymore. They are very much a two-dimensional threat on all facets defensively too. That's the biggest surprise. I didn't think they would be as good defensively this year because of all the talent drain, because of the fact that they did have, have their own defensive coordinator and Tim Lewis leave for the XFL, but it's been night and day. It's been basically every week they've gotten better on that side of the ball. And I can see the gamblers, unless the stallions get healthier or if they can find an established run game, something that they have lacked all season, in part because of injury, because they lost their starting fullback in Bobby Holly, and they lost their primary rusher in Bo Scarborough, both in week one to IR. You really have to rely on Alex Magoo, and he can do that, but the best teams have two facets in spring football, and it's both both ends of that offense. Right now, Birmingham doesn't have it. Magoo's great, but you got to find something else because otherwise people key into it, and it's shown in their losses against New Orleans and against Houston. On um, half a season left, they're still in the thick of it. But Houston and Pittsburgh are the ones that I think are the most trending upwards of like what I think could happen. New Orleans, I think, will finish in a playoff spot no matter what. It's just where will it be is your bigger question. I can't tell you who the second one for a playoff seed will be in the north besides Pittsburgh because it's that hard to pick right now. Philadelphia beating New Jersey last week. Didn't see that on my bingo card, but yet they did with eight field goals. Tied for a pro football record, by the way. Didn't see that one on my bingo card either, but I just talked to the kicker from Philadelphia and we had a great conversation. about it. <laughs> Yeah. Shout, shout out Luis Aguilar right there. Uh, yeah. Shout out eight, eight field goals, leg of uh, tie. What was it? Beating Rob Baronis's record, by the way. Uh, tied Rob Baronis. He had eight. Oh, total. eight. Uh, oh, eight total. So okay. Here, so I thought Baronis only had seven for some reason. This was the way USFL comms, their uh, PR department laid it. It's, it's tied for the pro pro record, which it is for amount of field goals. However, the distance for all the field goals beats that record that Rob Baronis had. So, you know, it there's where your caveat comes in. Um, I guess if you want to do like tiebreakers for best pro record, he does win by the yardage amount is how you can but look hey, at it. All I'm saying, Cowboys, you need a kicker. Just so happens to be a guy who hit eight field goals perfectly right through the uprights. I'm just saying you know, they just, eight field goals in one game. Didn't miss any extra points. Uh, didn't miss any field goals. So, Maybe. Yeah, that's another, and that's another underlying story in the league. You th- so that record for the single like for the single season U- single game USFL one has been tied twice before this as well during the year, it, it, both by Matt Coughlin who was on the New Orleans Breakers and Chris Blewett who's on the Pittsburgh Maulers, which is an unfortunate name, but he is <laughs> yeah he's perfect so far this year. By the way, he hasn't missed a single field goal. He hasn't blown it once. Uh, put that one under your fe- under your feather cap. But you know who they had to beat? Where's our, where's our Manscaped commercial when I need it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know who they beat where's for that Rex record, MD by the way? When we need them? 
<laughs> the original USFL record holder was Scott Norwood. Wood. Wow, that's a throwback. For those that don't yeah. know, that's a 1986? Uh, 80, 80, 83, one of the two. I, I forget every okay. time. But yeah, Norwood holds the hold held it at five wow. until last weekend. <laughs> that's incredible. So yeah, kicking obviously at a at, look. I'm just telling Cowboys go get a kicker. You got three of them in the league. Save, All th- you have save, three guys that you can pick up. Me. I think you have no problems with. Or go get Anders Carlson if you're not going to take somebody who shows that they can oh, that, they can that, kick that, in the X ex- t- in, in another spring league. Go get somebody. So anybody. Yeah, you should do that too. <laughs> Help a brother out. Do that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. That'll do it for our USL coverage here in the tip-off. But we're not done with Zach yet. We just talked one phase of football. We got a whole separate set of football to go to. That's going to take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That is the main event. And Zach, the USFL we just talked about a little bit. Now we got the XFL that just wrapped up. Yes. Season one in the books. And I'm just going to open this up similar to how we saw it last time. We saw Arlington Renegades take out the D.C. Defenders in the championship. Go and tell us, what were your thoughts on the league overall? Would you say success, a really good, some things to work on? Just get your overall first impression of season one. Uh, for season one, so I'm just going to put out a caveat. I think you have to look at it in two facets. I think the football was fantastic. I'm going to put it out right there. I, I think that it definitely did its job. It was entertaining almost every week. Um, I mean, it's 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 a season one of spring football and what you expect. Good quality football. Yeah, it's not going to beat NFL games, but it's damn good, and you should definitely tune in. The angle that I will say has to be improved, and this just comes down to business side. It is all it is. And in terms of who your partner was, I think Disney did a disservice to the XFL. I, I thought the broadcasts kind of, they were okay. I, I think the cameras were okay. I thought it was, it reminded me of a, maybe like a mid afternoon ESPN two broadcast for camera quality and some of the angles. The audio was great. I love the audio access. Um, some of the gimmicks like sideline, like I don't give a crap about destroying as a sideline analyst. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if you saw that in any of the broadcasts, but I always wanted to I tried to TV ignore it. I saw honestly, it. yeah. I tried to ignore it when I saw it. There was that. Um, and sure, the, and I'll give this to the USFL started doing more of this betting coverage talk, which I'm like, okay, let's chill out because the XFL, when they would do it, I also was like, there's got to be a better way of doing this than the way you're doing it. A lot of it comes down to ESPN. I, I think, I, and which surprises me because I was expecting better of ESPN and ABC out of this deal in terms of broadcast partner. I think the football is great. I do. And, and that's not my problem. I've, I've finally figured out why I was trying to get grasp what was swaying. And it's just the broadcasts. If the broadcasts improve, they get better crews. I think that, you know, we're talking about then apples to we're talking apples to apples fully here. Um, football wise though. I mean, I think you have a good case that you can say the USFL and the XFL have their own cases because quarterback play was great in here too. Jordan Tahamu. I remember him on the Bandits last year. People were like, oh, Tom, who's falling off. Tom, who's not, not the same guy as he was at the Battle Hawks. And then after week one, oh, no, he, he's slinging it. It was, it was a Todd Haley problem. Although Todd Haley's found his guy that people have been comparing to Ben Roethlisberger and Cole Kelly because of his size and all that, which is ironic given the fact Todd Haley's history as a offensive coordinator. But in XFL talk, though, Tom, who, fantastic definitely deserving of accolades he had this year you know aj mccarron came in you'll love the story about him coming in and playing for fun yeah i, I hear the eh what, what's that the eh? it's the, it's the bama eh oh 
It's because he's from. I was, no, let me just let me be. Uh, let me let me go ahead. I, let me take myself off small screen. If anybody doesn't know, I have again like Ruben Foster, AJ McCarron, and I don't always see eye to eye. But professional level, Aaron uh, AJ McCarron, absolutely love everything he's had to go through to get. Love that fact that he is where he is after everything he's had to go through to get here. Let me rephrase that. Sorry, I did that did not come out right. Hate that he had to go through it to get here. Um, but again, he's kind of been winning on and off the field. What you know now at this point in time after his successful XFL oh, return, yeah. getting this, having his sons watch him play that was probably the coolest thing of, of uh, that I saw all season. No, that that was an awesome that awesome to, uh, is an undersell. That that was a that was a marvelous storyline uh, for the year. But also just again, you know, I think the ideal guy that you know I think maybe sways some other people that you know are wanting these springs like, hey, I'm. Maybe you do this for fun. You know, like McCarron, you know, I know some folks in articles wrote up like, well, he's only getting paid this much. And it's like, yeah, but eh, you're also forgetting the asterisk of he's made a few million dollars in his career and he doesn't really need to do this, but he's doing it for fun. You know, like those are the players I'm hoping to see in years future. You see more come to these leagues too. Maybe if they have a chance, they don't, they're not done and out. They have their financials done. Now let's have some fun. Let's go out there and, you know, play a little extra. Maybe something I didn't get, you know, once in a while, Yeah. you know, so speaking, well, hey, I'll say speaking. Speaking of a guy who didn't get a lot, that finally got something uh, last year. Obviously, making the USFL playoffs, got knocked out early on. Well, uh, championship game, but yeah. you look at that, and this year he throws the first touchdown pass of the league, throws the last touchdown pass of the league, gets traded mid-season, so two separate teams is literally going on to a team with a losing record, takes them to winning the XFL championship. Obviously, I'm talking about Luis Perez, guy oh, yeah. who we've seen. Spring leagues, kind of really every spring league took it Birmingham, uh, you know, d- down at Birmingham, whether he was, you know, on a practice squad in the NFL, back to another spring league. He's pretty much been successful everywhere he's gone. Then that guy, and you talk about a guy that played Texas A&M Commonwealth uh, for all places. So, or sorry, Commerce, not Commonwealth, Texas A&M Commerce. Um, but yeah, like you get to see him, you know, turn around, win championship game MVP, get a championship. Is this what like, I you mentioned guys coming back and playing for fun. Is the XFL going to turn into this guy, like getting the chance to get, get an award like this for somebody like Luis Perez, who by the way, didn't even play football in high school. Nobody knows his right. story has one of the talk about a fantastic story. He has a completely different, fantastic story than what AJ McCarron has, but like he's doing something that he didn't get to earn. Like he didn't get a chance to do beforehand. Is this, you know, you have guys coming for fun and is this also going to be the kind of guys that are underselling. Is that what you see the XFL kind of turning into for right now, at least? I think it's got some people that will do it. I still think you have most of them coming in for legitimate film. And to point this out, you know, back when the USFL was hosting its season, when the, when the XFL was, or back when the USFL started its first inaugural year, the XFL is gearing up behind the scenes. They were actually going to agents of, of USFL teams and trying to sell them on the fact that, you know, they start earlier you know, your eight, your players will get to go to camps earlier. You'll have an advantage. So like there, that's also the other angle. You know, I I think you're going to see that competition as well, but I think for the general vibe of spring leagues, I think you see that happening where you're talking, you're going to see guys that go for fun or going for that, you know, extra hurrah, if you will, not all of them, because I think a lot of these teams do want the best players. I mean, we saw in the U S a bunch of bunch of guys like a Robert Nadimchi or Nadimchi old Ben, old, old ben Danucci. <laughs> no, well not Ben Danucci no oh. no no Robert uh Nim, did, did, I always mess up his name Kim uh, Nindichi there you go he yeah, got cut Dici, yeah. and, and that was actually one of the most hype signings in the league in the offseason but that's because performance Mike Nolan 
didn't want didn't want him. It looks like, and he was not on that roster. But I still think you have people like a AJ McCarron that come on and have that. Luis Perez. I mean, you know, we talk about journeyman stories in the NFL. That his journeyman story puts any journeyman story to shame in the NFL. I think. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I dare. I think you could dare say that. You know, comparing to Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think both of them have a case for who's who's the real journeyman. Because okay. Ooh. Look at Perez. Perez is going to the NFL. He goes to the AAF. Yeah. Anyone want to remember the Alliance? That was a that was a fun eight week adventure over there. He was in Birmingham for the Iron. Then he goes goes for another NFL opportunity. Comes back to the 2020 version of the XFL under McMahon's ownership. He comes in. He actually got brought in and was traded and put as a backup for the New York Guardians. Works his way up as a starter for the Guardians, and by week five. He helped turn the Guardians around. People thought the Guardians were going to make the playoffs until the league fell because of COVID. Leaves, goes to the USFL later on with the Generals. Has one, I'll say he had an off game. It was an off game last year in the North semifinals. Definitely one that he was not happy with. You could tell when he left. Goes on again, gets another, gets more tryouts and everything. Comes to the XFL. Goes on to the Vipers. He looks down and out. That team... Was one was the I would say the second worst team in the USFL was the Vegas Vipers, and he goes and gets the best trade in the world, goes to the Arlington Renegades, who had been dealing with poor offensive play calling and QB issues, but had an excellent defense and excellent talent around them for specialty players. He comes in, changes the game within a few weeks of the end of the season, and there you go, rest is history. That's an ultimate journeyman story right there. Uh, and that's that's one I think that you can write home about and say like, hey, you know, football. There's a lot of levels of football you can go play if you look hard enough. That are quality stuff, and you get good looks. I actually wonder what his prospects are come this season, given that he had even more fantastic film to go off of his championship performance. I mean, guys, it was it was something to behold. 288 yeah. yards, three TDs, only got sacked once, and only had 10 incompletions, 36 passes. Hey, it was a damn between good, him and South- damn good performance. Him and Sal Canella and that first connection for that touchdown was absolutely fantastic. His connection with his receivers, and not just that, I think his command of the offense, like his commanding of the, the offense in general was And that's how he was with see. New Jersey. I, I love that. You know, he, he, he very much, for a guy that learned football off of YouTube videos, which I know that's been passed around forever at this point, or the bowling uh, angle, which, again, remember, yeah. he's, he's talked in the past. If, if football's done, you know, he, he is he to bowl until he's going 60. to be a professional bowler. So, yeah. Yeah. Quite the story for sure. And I kind of want to circle back something you mentioned earlier as well, too, is we saw one of them that stands out to me is we saw Hakeem Butler, one of the receivers, signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well, too. And, you know, drafted by the Cardinals, really good Iowa State standout, gets cut by the Cardinals, goes to the Eagles. They try and make him a tight end. He's way too damn skinny for that, gets cut there, kind of right. bounces around here. And then we find him in the XFL has – Basically, he eats because he's still a really good player. He eats throughout the season. Now he goes to Pittsburgh. Do you think we can see a, a few more similar situations too, where you see guys that get that short end of the stick going to the NFL, come down here, put on really good film, as you mentioned? Do you think this could be, I don't want to say a regular thing, but we could see those numbers increase instead of one, two, three guys? Maybe we start seeing 10 to 15 guys actually like make practice squads, that sort of thing as well. Yeah, I think I, I think we do see that happen. And I, I think part of that comes down to not only – Again, you're going to get more scouts that respect the spring football market. We actually saw in Good Morning Football, they brought on, I don't remember which NFL scouts specifically, but it was this week they asked them about the XFL in particular. And more scouts are paying attention to spring football than ever because it's pro setting. It is actual game footage. 
And it's guys that for most of them have played NFL or they've played power five schools. So, you know, there are more that I think are paying attention than ever to this. So yes, that option does is a thing. If you are a guy that's a practice squad guy and want to, you want realistic, real life, you know, kind of play for yourself type of film where it's like, I'm taking a chance on this so I can get maybe a better standing or better chance to stick. Then yeah, I think that's your angle. And I, I think we're always seeing that, like I said, the XFL had a few guys like that that I think are stick. Like Butler, I think he's one of the best right now that got that's been signed out of the twenty-one so far. That I think has a chance to stick because of the fact that he's a big, he's a big lengthy receiver. He's got a lot of range in terms of his catch radius, and he's got the speed. He showed it in plenty of games this year for the Battle Hawks. You know, I don't have a doubt in my mind. You get a team that needs someone like that. You know, I bet Kenny Pickett credit. I know that there is receiving options for him, of course, in Pittsburgh. But if you need the next man up, it doesn't hurt to have a lengthy dude like that that's ready to go or special teams play, which is one of the biggest reasons you're going to want these leagues is I think a lot of the special teamers you get in the NFL, you want hungry guys that want to stay on the roster and will fight for every inch on that field to perform. And I think that that a lot of special teams coordinators are probably looking at these leagues like, Hey, you know what you, I bet you could use this guy. I definitely could use this guy <laughs> on my front line. I definitely could use this guy on my punt return or kickoff return teams. Um, and I bet that they would fight it out in the, in the off season or the preseason so far to prove that they can stick on there. Uh, in the USFL, I think you also see that happening too this year as well as last. Obviously, we talked about Turpin, but like this year, I think one of the best examples and a guy I interviewed, uh, Wes Hills, I mentioned him earlier. You know, his story is insane. He was basically he was basically out of football from college eligibility. Uh, got a chance from basically from essentially a friend of his has had connections from scouts with Slippery Rock. And he got a chance to play for Slippery Rock, went and played very well, dominated at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, and got opportunities in the NFL uh, with the Cardinals, actually, and then went to the CFL, had some good totes. Now he's in the USFL. He's getting his best film of his career professionally uh, out of all the years he's been on there. <laughs> I see you. I see you, Jim. <laughs> nice. We'll talk, we can talk arena if, if we had the chance, but uh, in the XFL and USFL squares, that, that, that is going to happen. Again, a lot of this comes down to consistent year-over-year presence. You just got to have scouts and folks trust more and more that you're going to have stability, that this will be around, which I think is the next big facet for a lot of fans too. And I think folks in the NFL scene, like NFL, they, they've said to both leagues, I know that the XFL came out and said that they have a partnership with the NFL but the NFL's made it clear they support both these leagues. I mean, they help the rule make the rule book for the USFL for crying out loud, uh, yeah. in in terms of coordination. So they want one of them or both to succeed, but they they, they can't be actively participating. So they're like they're basically the guy in the uh, I would say at the uh, Roman Coliseum in the Emperor's chair going. All right, fight it out. Let's see which one of you as last man standing because uh, we'd love to have one of you. Or both, hey, screw it. Hey, you know, let, let's it. figure it out. But at least one, they would love to have one because coaches have talked about this for decades now that they need a developmental angle in the league for talent that does need to have some polishing. All I'm going to say is they have a league in Europe. They have two leagues in America. Get a league in they Mexico, do. and you got yourself a nice little developmental league that has two date. Two international and two two national. There's teams. another there's another league that's forming. How if you've heard of Hal Mummy, one of the godfathers of yeah. the air raid offense, he's hoping uh, uh, actually former Arlington Renegade coach in the and, XFL and Arlington Renegade edition, Offensive edition Coordinator. One. 
Yeah, exactly. Or he, addition two, sorry. Yeah, and I guess if you want to throw it in there, uh, TSL Mega Bowl champion with the uh, line. Oh, yeah. Which is the uh, predecessor of the USFL, by the way. If you want a little trivia piece, uh, he's helping form a league down in essentially Mexico and Texas. It's mm-hmm. a it's a six team league. They're calling it the International Football Association, and they're going to start that up. I think next year is what it is. It has like big big name guys in it. Like right now, it's just what a time to be an investor in spring and alternative football is all I'm telling and, you. <laughs> and this is why we bring Zach on to talk about alter, alternate football at all times. Uh, Zach, before we jump into the final crunch time questionnaire, uh, I got one one big question for you for the XFL going into season two. What is the number one thing, not that you want to see changed, but what is the number one thing you think will actually be changed between now and, and season two or the start of season two? Uh, you're talking for the XFL? For the XFL. <sighs> for the XFL. Um, you know, it's kind of hard because they're not, they've already came out with a few, few items for next year that they're saying, for example, you're not going to see teams uh, permanently. Like, yeah, they're going to go travel again. They're doing the same thing as mm-hmm. last year. They're going to basically have them all fly out to their cities, visit, play in their cities, but come back. So they're not doing that for the near future. Um, I think the only, I think the main thing I want to see change, like I said, it's not really the, the, the gameplay. Um, I think it's really just, like I said, I, I want to see Disney and them kind of sit down and discuss, like, can we get better quality broadcasting? Cause I, like I said, that's my main problem is it's not the league itself. It's the, it's the partner they are with TV. They kind of, I think they treat it as like a, second-class citizen in some regards with some of the camera quality and some of the choices that they make for the productions. I, I, and it's sure some of it's minor scale to some people, but like, I see it like, look, if you're in a championship game and your graphic for your clock is broken to where you have to film the uh, in-stadium clock, yeah. like, well, what are you doing, dude? Like Fox wouldn't allow that to happen. What's NBC wouldn't allow that to happen. You shouldn't allow that. I mean, you're ESPN on ABC. You know, that, that's the stuff that bugs me, you know, I, and I think that's fixable. The league just has to go and say, Hey, look, we're back next year. You know? Yeah. We're going to, we, we obviously we're still testing our grounds with you guys. We have a multi-year deal with you, but like, can we get you to ante up a little bit? Because that's the problem I got football wise. They're doing a lot of stuff, right. And I, and social media wise too. I actually praise them a lot. They're doing a lot of stuff great on social media, but you, your broadcasts I feel are your biggest downfall is that ABC and ESPN do you a disservice because they don't treat it as professionally as Fox and NBC do. That's my personal opinion, but I think the proof's in the tape. Well, as I say, we also got to meet a lot of the guys from, from the USFL last year at Canton. So uh, as they, cause if we were, we were sitting doing summer, you guys are doing summer stock in the parking lot for the media right. crew. And <laughs> we, got, we got to see so, their professionalism actually really in firsthand there. Um, no, I definitely, definitely do agree. Uh, by the way, the only time that's ever happened in Super Bowl history was when the power went out in New Orleans during the Baltimore-San Francisco game, and they had to film the cam- the clock for like all of one minute before it was fixed. Um, but yeah, that's just a fun little. What, what, a, what a world! I still remember to this day that game. That's what's vividly. It's amazing how how a flip how a lights turning off can flip a team into go mode. Too late though, but you know they almost did it. I'm still not convinced that Jim Harbaugh didn't ask somebody to pull the plug himself to. I mean, you're down 20 to three, then suddenly you get it rolling again after 30 minutes of adjustment period. Like, I'm somewhere like no one will tell me otherwise. And you're telling me that's not something Jim would do. I'm not buying it. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get the tinfoil hats off. And 
That's going to do it here for the main event, which is now going to lead us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. As of course, crunch time brought to you by outlier outlier.bet backslash high sports. Bet smarter, not harder. Get yourself a free seven day trial. And Zach, you're, we're going to have to ask you to turn on the fan there. I know you're in Arizona, so you got a fan there. So we're going to throw you on the hot seat here for five bare mean questions here. I'm going to go and kick us off with the first one. <laughs> you're a sometimes reluctant, sometimes hesitant Chicago bear fan, Chicago's bear fan here. First one I got for you. Bears just finished off their draft. A lot of talk leading up to the draft. They were the they were the talk of the town for a few months. Give us give us a letter grade. The, the Bears entire draft. Give us a letter grade so far on what you'd say. You know, I, I think for a draft, I can't call it like a sweeping A. Um, and it's because I, I think there were some flat I think some of the flashier picks were gone early, and I also wasn't fully on board with how they did the one trade down for Tanner Wright. But I do think it gets a solid B, B plus at best right now because it fills most of the gaps they still needed. And that's why I think it's still it's a good draft. It's not like the best of the best draft, but I think it's a pretty good draft for what is like most needed items like you needed to get a tackle. OK, yeah, you didn't get Par- I wanted Paris Johnson. He went early. Oh, well, you know, it's okay. Tan- you got the better tackle. I, I know I've heard a lot. Trust me. I've heard a lot of good about stuff about right. When you're talking about that, you know, you can hold down SEC defensive ends like it's nothing. You know, Will Anderson having basically no no impact whatsoever against their game against Alabama last year. Yeah, I'm going to raise my eyebrows. But again, you know, solid pickup. I just love I love Johnson's size. That, that was my thing. You know, I, I just love the imposing wall of doom that he brought that he brings. Sir, as, as a. As, as as you being a slightly undersized offensive lineman in your time, you should not love the size of the offensive lineman. You should love the fight of the dog and the offensive lineman. Oh, I thought he had the fight of you the dog. I think Wright does too. You know better I, than that. It's never I about think, the size of the offensive lineman. I think Wright does too. And look, he's going to DJ. Wright's going to be a tight end once. That's all I'm going to say. That's and, 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 the, and the thing that's nice, look, they, they get him as they get a tackle that, you know, you can put that they're going to probably put it right. It's going to be a very strong right tackle option for them. You know, Braxton Jones was an underrated gem last year. He's probably going to stick it left. He had a pretty solid year at left. I think he's going to keep improving. So, you know, to me, they locked down their front line. They also locked down, I think, some at least vital rotational pieces at worst to starting quality defensive linemen at best, obviously. Um, I, I thought that per, I thought Pickens was a great choice as well. Just picking him up, you know, two SEC guys coming in, of course. Um, I also love Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. Um, and this is this is twofold because yeah, he got picked up in the USFL collegiate draft, and I read up on his four forty and his four four forty speed. And I went, that guy's not going to be <laughs> at all kept on the board he will be picked up somewhere uh, he's not going to go in the usfl and sure enough the bears pick him up and i went yes thank you please because i will i i think that the bears could use a speedster like tyler scott where yeah maybe his his route running is not so great but you know screw it hey you want to put yeah, out a five you don't have receiver to be great set? when you run straight <laughs> Right, you want to put a five receiver set? See that three bunch, that kind of three bunch over on the right side. Yeah, you're gonna be the middle one that's kind of put up towards the line. Just, uh, just hit the, just hit the sprint button. That's all we need. Run, the, you're the guy running the streak. I bet you'll hold right trigger anybody. the whole time. <laughs> exactly, and, and yeah, you can use him as gadget player. You can use him for jet sweeps. You can use him for just a lot of fun kooky stuff. And I, I think that that's what I'm looking at him for. I like that pickup in particular. Um. Other ones, I mean, you know, like I said, it's a lot of utilitarian stuff. You know, Noah Sewell, they, I know some people thought it was a weird pick. 
I personally think they need it because I still ain't confident with who's behind the options at the front three of that linebacking core. I don't trust whoever is behind behind right now, everyone else in terms of Sanborn, Edward, Edwards, and Edmund. So I'm just telling you, that's a good one for a late rounder and somebody that was a diehard, dedicated power five linebacker over in Oregon. Um, to me, again, Chicago gets a lot of pieces filled. That's it. It's not flashy. But it's a lot of stuff that I say, yeah, this is definitely going towards a, a year that I should not be expecting a 3-14 and 14 season. Uh, I'm loving it. I think it's great. You know, it's not like A+. Plus, I think it's B+. Plus. <laughs> that, that's what I've got. Well, so you did kind of answer my next question. You mentioned Tyler Scott, so I'm going to revert my question here as well, too. And you know what? If you throw DJ Moore in, is that other first-round pick as well, too, that you got? I think that might even kick you up to an A on top. We want to count DJ Moore as a draft pick since you got him in relation, too. So. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do it that way, I, I know that they're... Make it an A that way. Like, we can, we, can we can fiddle the rules here. A show that has Kelsey you, on it, that you can change the rules. Whoa, whoa, hold on. This That's I'm the rule rules. breaker. Nobody else can break the rules. It is my thing. It is my break it. We twisted them. That's all we're doing. So, oh, speaking of which, yeah. it is your turn. Go ahead and put th- throw the hot seat to Zach. All right, Zach. Two sentences or less. Where does this defense end up ranking at the end of the season? <laughs> um, the... made this tough on Chicago you. Chicago will be will most likely be a top ten defensive unit by the end of the year. I think that's the case because they improved their front seven through free agency slash the draft. And again, it's utilitarian pieces. They didn't do, they still need stuff that those are my two sentences, by the way, beyond what I just did right there. But I would say that was a long run on sentence. If you're going to keep it. Up. <laughs> no, no, no. My, my two ended with the, they improved the front seven. You can, you can retort if you want. I'd probably jump the gun. No, I, I actually, I, I think I, I think that's very interesting. Top 10 by the end of the season, underrated defense, but I will say, I do know there's a bears fan that listens to the show that might just get giddy in his pants right now when, when you're saying he's a top 10, there's a potential top 10 defense sitting in Chicago right now. So I, I'm interested to see how that turns out. Uh, mind you, we are going to be still doing our NFL show. So uh, this may come back on replay, repeat at some point in time, Zach. I'm sorry. I didn't warn I mean, you that beforehand, I, but I'm just letting you know now. Knowing you, I, I fully expect you to hold on to yes. all – all these little tidbits I throw <laughs> out out here uh, because look, I, I, I still have things I want to see. I mean, it's, it to me, this year's a make it or break it start off for at least a lot of people on this, on this roster. I can say something about Justin Fields, but I also feel like I'm beating a dead horse with people talking about Justin Fields. So we, we can talk about know, Justin Fields in just a moment. Don't worry. Well, we could, yeah. but I, defensively, the, the thing the thing was their secondary. It was already doing a fantastic job at the end of the year. You know, they Kyler Gordon was improving week over week over week. You know, I, I thought that they had done an excellent job at getting you know other help in the safety section for Eddie Jackson as well. You know, those were imposers over to. over top. But, you know, Jack Sanborn, excellent, excellent, I would think, discovery, given that they traded away, traded away, of course, Roquan Smith. And that was, to me, it was a consolidation prize for that was the fact that, oh, hey, look, they found a hungry young kid right behind Smith that just wanted to go play ball. And that's the best thing you can ask for. And now that they have two other starting linebackers, that's a very imposing second force. The bigger question is the front four. But to me... 
I thought you did a good job picking up two bruisers that are SEC talent, one of them being Pickens, who is a run stopper as his primary focus. Um, the other the other one, of course, being an all-around kind of everyman in terms of uh, shoot uh, Dexter, that is, you know, kind of going out there. And he's played multiple techniques. So that being said, you can still mix that up. Uh, it's we, not me taking a test. Let's so. just be clear. The agreement was that's going to be our kickoff episode. So there you don't go. Don't forget. I was just saying, you hey. guys don't know. Just be prepared. I have to take a Wonderlick test, which, if you guys don't know, is the thing that evidently CJ Stroud scored a 14 on going into no, the no, draft. No, that was the other test. It's all football IQ. It's, it's all football IQ based. So it could be either one that I take. I'm <laughs> what, just going to. What happened to just go play, play football? <laughs> Vince Young happened. Want, That's what happened. People want to go in and make this. We don't play school. But, All right, okay. DJ, question number three. Okay. I, I was going to say my final point on that line oh. was Demarcus Walker is going to make or break how, how imposing they are right now unless they do a trade for uh, – unless they do a trade for a said person that's uh, over in Washington – or they uh, pick up uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who's sitting out there nice and pretty. And Bears fans want Yannick. I wouldn't mind getting Yannick. <laughs> I wouldn't mind getting Yannick. I, I, I know you oh, wouldn't yeah. either, but I, I need a good 4-3. Or the guy rusher. that's sitting over and watched it. If you go, nobody knows the guy sitting and watching. It just so happens to be, you know, he just changed his, uh, his bios in every social media to defensive tackle four, dot, dot, dot. So let that speak for itself. Quentin Williams, maybe to the Jets, who did the same thing. Maybe they want Bears want to throw a pile of cash at him. I mean, they they could, they still can, and that really depends on does Ryan Poles. You know, he's talked about it's a few years type of uh, situation. But you know, you know, it's funny. I, I follow the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls told me that too. You know what Chicago did? They decided in one off season, oh, we're just going to do it and go all in in one year. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's Ryan still Poles, a you're, you're, let's, you're, let's, let's you're, ourselves. I hear about Chase Young. I hear about these rumors. If you go for Chase Young or any of these other guys on a trade, no, nah, this ain't a one-year deal. You're putting all the chips on the table to make a big splash your second season just to say, F it. We're not no. waiting around anymore. The rhetoric's changed. All right, DJ. All right, so we already went through the draft questions I had, too, so we're going to pick what we're going to steal one here from the other from the other bin. DJ Moore, I mentioned him earlier. What do you think his final? What do you think his final rough stat range is? Like, r- doesn't have to be exact numbers. I'm not going to hold hold the gun to your head to pick exact numbers. So just give me like oh, a will. rough where where he'll finish. We'll look at <laughs> okay. just yards and touchdowns. Maybe not the gun. I, not the gun. Just the just the answer. I'm not held under a gun. I just am supposed to give you a general answer. Just give yeah. me some rough idea. Like you think he'll have a thousand and ten or like fifteen hundred and eight, something like. Oh, that. he'll have over a thousand. I I think he's easily. I think he got him easily for. Well, okay, maybe I say easily, but then I'm thinking this is Chicago. You never know. You know, obviously I could be, I'm, I, I have faith in Justin Fields, but I, but you know, not every pass is just a deep bomb and we walk away happy. Uh, give me 1250 yardage um, and seven touchdown passes. I don't trust him to be a double digit TD guy because more really hasn't been that in his career. He's been more of a yardage guy. Uh, but I do think his touchdown numbers jump a little bit higher up compared to last season. I just don't think his yardage does because the Bears still have a pretty solid run game, not to mention Justin Fields, you know, unless until proof in the pudding is shown. I can see Fields being more still like last year where he'll just, if he finds time, he runs, you know, and then it comes down to, well, you find your one receiver. 
twelve fifty though, I think he is the main guy in that offense that's going to make the most impact. By the way, that would put him in top ten of last year's statistics uh, if he had twelve hundred fifty yards. So yeah, look, if everybody who says he's not a, he's not a number one receiver, trust uh, any one of the three of us that is well, in this is. show right now. He's a number one receiver, and he's one of those like sneaky like stat guys. He doesn't have as yeah. much flash as some others, but like you dig into the tape, you dig into like the analytics and the numbers. He has been top five in many categories since his time he he's joining Carolina with rotating quarterbacks. That's the the big the big <laughs> asterisk. He's never had a consistent starter with Carolina, and he has been doing this on a regular basis. Allen Robinson did that too. Now, the hope is you don't have an Allen Robinson arc going to Chicago. That's the caveat. You know, I don't want to see that happen either. What, what, this is the second time I've heard an Allen Robinson comparison with DJ Moore. Well, and then the same exact the same stat situation. line came up afterwards. It's the exact uh, same let's hope situation. We don't have the injury. I'm not saying he gets injured, but I'm telling you, God, it's the same situation. You guys situation. are speaking the God. negative into existence right now. <laughs> but I don't think it'll happen that way though. Why? Because he's been healthier. And I think Justin Fields is going to be the guy. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a Trubisky thing. So that's my angle here. You know? All right. Well, I'm going to test you on that right here. DJ right Moore's now. also a better yards after the catch re receiver too, than Allen Robinson ever was. Uh, that is a big yeah. key factor. Uh, if a guy can go from five yard reception to 45 yard reception uh, off a few cuts. Yeah. All right, so let's test this Justin Fields. You, you think Justin Fields is going to be great? Justin Fields, does he rank higher or lower than 15th at the end of the season for quarterbacks? He's higher than 15th by the end of the year. Um, I think at worst, he's like, say, 12th. Uh, at best, if things go what you're hoping he is, we're talking – and, and I'm talking like you see improvements in his medium, his medium range passing game, decision-making and kind of like slowing the game down and he's not getting himself beaten up. You know, that's where I think you see him go upwards where we can, he has the potential to be a top five guy with all the versatility he has, but it comes down to those improvements. He's got all the weapon. He's got all the supporting cast with the line and he has what you can argue is the weaponry now. I mean, they trade for Chase Claypool. He's going to have a whole year to understand the playbook. There's no excuse for that anymore. You know, Darnell Mooney's going to be back. It was his favorite option before injury. Cole Komet had his best season of his career and was a solid tight end last year. And you're going to have DJ Moore. And you're still going to have it, Khalil Herbert at the very least in the backfield, along with Deontay Foreman. You should be pretty well set off. That's where I'm thinking this could be a top five year for him to where it's it goes from last year where you're seeing the talent to where this year going now it's all being put together like a Josh Allen type of arc. But I think it's 12th because I think he's athletic enough to where you can still say, all right, you know, he's like Lamar Jackson. He can run. He can keep things interesting. He can throw the deep ball. You know, he's explosive enough to keep games a little bit, I would say, uh, never out of reach. But it comes down to his progression. He's been working a lot this offseason, I understand, and been doing even more. He's a hard worker. But, you know, got to have that understanding of, you know, take stuff when you can. It's not always about the deep ball. It's not always about the home run. And it's not always about getting killed and showing that you're the tough guy. Because being the tough guy eventually will bite you in the ass. Yeah. And mind you, uh, comparing last year's numbers to what you just said, 
I finished 26th last year in quarterback passing in passing yards um, mm-hmm. statistics across the board. So yeah, 26 out of a uh, qualifying 34 quarterbacks, I believe actually qualified yeah. for the, the actual ranking. So uh, yeah, definitely climbing up that ladder for, for this year is what you, what you're predicting, which I, well, I mean, I, th- I think he keeps we'll moving up. I just, I think the question is how far, you know, it, 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 like I said, it all comes down. It's year three. You know, I, I've told it to Steve on our on on our own little Bears discussion we have on the Coach Steve show. You know, I give QBs three years. The, this is the defining year. You've got all the pieces together, you know, and Bears fans are their own worst critics in terms of how they want to tear each other apart. No excuses now. I mean, that's the thing. We were split last year for some stupid reasons, others legitimate. This year it's like, okay, well – everything's in town for you. So, you know, time to even update your game even more. That's what I'm thinking will happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm positive it will, but a piece of me still says, well, I mean, we did this, we've done this in the past too, you know, and it's, it's not. Oh, out of yes, the question. you guys have. <laughs> so I am always going to be skeptical for a small bit until it does happen. That's how I As am. You- as you should be. I got As one. I, I got one last question for me for you. It is a yes or no, and it's going to lead into Kelsey's follow up question too. So you don't get to explain it. You just have to go yes or no. Yeah, this is a five A B. Okay. Like yes, I said, we'd like to I break the not, rules. I won't elaborate too hard with this one. You get to elaborate on the on the B part, but the A part's a yes, a no, or a or just a big. The Lions are kind of there's question marks there. The Packers have a new quarterback for the first time in two decades. The Vikings are not winning 11 games by one score again. They're not going 11 on one score games again. <laughs> no. Do the Bears win the NFC North? No. Kelsey, you're you are. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. Okay, then in that case, what do you see their final record being? I think they're. I think their best. I think their final record is their wild card team that finishes 10 and seven. Wow. Okay. Um, and I think that how do you think? I, I, to, I guess let me double that up with how do you think they do in the division? If you don't have them winning the division and they're going to be a wild card, how do you actually have them performing in this new look NFC North? Yeah, a lot of it comes down to my confidence in what Detroit's been doing. Actually, um, I'm actually okay. bullish on Detroit a lot. Um, mm, I'm not. <laughs> I, I can tell, but I, I'll I'll go with my angle on this. Uh, I think you see them split games with Detroit um, this year. Yeah, I don't think Detroit sweeps them again. You know, it's that that's going to stop. I do believe that you're going to see a split with Minnesota. As much as Minnesota's not going to do the same thing, they're still talented enough to steal a game. So I think you see that. Where I come down to is, do you sweep Green Bay, or is Green Bay secretly good enough to where we're going to have to sit back and now reevaluate the North? I don't think Jordan Love is, but that's off very limited film. And I'm trusting to see if Matt LaFleur is going to develop a QB uh, after several years of having him on the bench. At worst, you split them. At best, I think the Bears should be able to take one to take the series against the Green Bay Packers this year. So, so what you're saying is Chicago might not be owned by a Green Bay team anymore? Under new ownership starting so. in 2023. No, Packer Company will not own Soldier Field is what I mean. No, hearing. I think the the ultimate sin of the season will be if Green Bay sweeps because there is no Aaron Rodgers there anymore. Yes, you have some defensive pieces, but even you can argue that some of those exploits were shown last year against Chicago. It's just that Chicago was a young team that had got stripped to the bone and was a little talent-deprived. I think this year that talent's there. 
to where you can make a point that I think Green Bay is on the other end of that stick in terms of trying to evaluate where they're going to be going right now. Um, and I think that they, to me, are the lowest rung in the NFC North right now. I, and maybe I'm, you can call me a bitter bears fan. I don't know, but I just, I put them as the fourth, as the fourth team right now in the NFC North. I think Detroit is going to maybe either be on par or be better, better than last year, but I think they win the North and I think Chicago and Minnesota fight for that wild card spot. But I think Chicago wins out given their upgrades this off season. That's a valid point. All of that is about, it's understandable because this NFC North is kind of that wild. I mean, wild, not to mention like West in again. credit, you know, draft picks aren't like everything, you know, they still have to pan out. But like Detroit had a master class of a draft as well to where I'm like, okay, you have all, Did I they? thought it was. I thought it Jameer was. Gibbs. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, you got, I'm just saying you got David Montgomery and then you bring in Jameer Gibbs. He can only replace one of the suspended receivers. He can't replace all three. I mean, Swift ain't gonna. He doesn't sound like he's gonna be around anyways. So. Oh no, he's he's yeah, he's already in Philly, so he gone. Yeah, I mean, so I'm telling it's you, it's okay. I was just kidding. I, mean, I get it. Not, no, I, like it's just Jamal the, Williams. That's my year. Well, hey, everyone's gonna look. Hey, on the I, yeah, on I was like, I just think for the way that you used your draft value, I think that that's where I go with the master class. I'm just going look at all it. this early round talent, and that doesn't mean everything. But the Lions have been landing picks as of as of late. They've been getting good talent under Dan Campbell. I mean, that's where I'm angling it there. I mean, that's a program that looks like it's stable and not shouldn't be a laughing stock this year. And they proved it last year they weren't at the end of the season. I think that they have to me, they I am I'm confident the most in the Lions. And that's like stupid to even say for Lions fans. They're looking at me like, you idiot. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna ruin it right now. Don't let Steve hear you say that either. He might he might boycott that one. He might not let you back on for Bears talk anymore. Steve might, but but I mean Steve Steve will also tell you that he's got some things that he's you know, we talk. Like we still need to see the proofs in the pudding, man. You can you can talk off season and gaslight me off season wise all you want, but that means nothing until I get to week one. And it's ha- yeah. Bears fans have done this to me. 2020, I remember 2020. I was the giddiest little Bears fan you'll ever see. 100 year anniversary. Yeah, you were. Oh, yes. We're going to do it. We just came off a 13 and 3 season, and then we get our asses handed to us all year. And I, I was, that's the most pessimistic I've ever been as a fan in my life. It has taken me a few years to get back to being going, oh, I, I think I'm kind of confident this year. That's, that, that, I remember that, took, that year for that you. Was, that that was PTSD rough. from 2020, guys. I'm serious. <laughs> It's been a little while. That was a rough year for the NFL show for us. Yeah. Anyway, that is going to do it for our show here today. And Zach, for those of you who don't know, which is probably nobody listening right now, tell them where they can find you and when we can check in and hear your beautiful voice more than just when you join our show. Oh, thanks, guys. I always appreciate the time on this show. It's been a little bit. First in uh, Arizona edition out west. Uh, you can find me uh, two main shows I do. I also go on the Coach Steve show. We have a uh, Bears segment at this point uh, for episodes talking about the Chicago Bears. Uh, Bear down if you want to check those out. We're doing those more throughout the offseason. Just kind of follow the Coach Steve show on Twitter. Uh, also, though, main shows I do. USFL podcast. Uh, main, basically, talk all things USFL. Interviews of players, personalities of the like. You name it from around the league. And we discuss weekly about the league itself. Uh, check that out at usfl podcast on social media platforms as well as your favorite podcast platform and on our youtube page also 
Uh, the National Arena League's official podcast is what I do as well. You might have saw a few of those from an account that was uh, tweet that was of course messaging on here. That was from my good buddy Jim uh, on the show, my co-host and main graphics guy extraordinaire, who does a fantastic job running the production for Inside the Walls. Follow us at, at Inwalls Pod. Uh, currently in the middle of the regular season for the National Arena League, so we're covering that every week. We're also bringing player interviews and coaches interviews from around the league on there too, and we also. We do a lot of other stuff on the side of the league, too. We do media polls. We do other things like that where we're helping try and grow the National Arena League because arena football is kick-ass, and uh, you should check it out. It's free on YouTube, by the way. Look up the National Arena League on YouTube to uh, get basically weekly games of one of the best underrated sports that not enough people are talking about. I think that's about all I got. Uh, I mean, I got a personal Twitter, at Zach Kyleman. If you want to follow me for podcast stuff or any random hijinks on football I talk about, that's about it. Beyond that, I don't got much more. Or uh, We'll see. Or watch this man try peeps Pepsi, by the way. Follow him on TikTok as well. Yeah, I need to get another I need to get another food TikTok. I realized after that one it was pretty good. You know they're selling ketchup and mustard-flavored Doritos? That's a thing. Oh, yeah, the all-dressed all Doritos. Yeah, yeah they, 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 have, they brought in the Canadian version. So Canada has this – Canadian – Canada has a type of chip called All Dressed. It's it has been voted the most popular flavor of chip in Canada for multiple years running. And I really? kid you not, it's a thing. And it's even such a thing that Letterkenny, one of the most famous Canadian shows watched by Americans, has done a skit on the All Dressed flavoring of chips. So that's when I first learned about it. Then I did this whole deep dive on the internet about it. Anyways, but yeah. So if you get a chance, there's now All Dressed chips to try. As well, uh, and also, you know, you're not close enough now, but, you know, when you decide to go back to Detroit for another uh, Panthers game there, or when you come up to Canton, uh, there's poutine places all over the place. we gotta yes. got to add into your taste testing. Yes, I will be looking And Skyline Chili at some point in time again. We got You got to do actual Skyline Chili. <laughs> Actually, I love uh, – what the hell is it? Um, it's – there's some – I forget it. I'll have to look it up at once. Camp Washington in Cincinnati. That is, uh, it's a like a solo spot out there for Cincinnati but chili. Did you, did you do it on TikTok though? Hell no. <laughs> Actually, I don't think. Think TikTok yeah. was around when I went yeah, out. Yeah, you got to do it on TikTok at this point in time, Zach. You started it with the Peeps Pepsi, and now you got to keep it going with 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 some Skyline chili. I really do Cincinnati need to do chili. more. I really need to do more videos with food because I I think that this is my forte. I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, I like my food. Well, as you guys, as you all can hear, football, food, everything is forte. You know the guy to follow. It is our good friend, Zach Kyleman. We appreciate you for joining us here to talk a little bit about football and all things gridiron and a little bit of food here at the end because it wouldn't be a high-low sports podcast with some food references as well, too. It would not. Always. Always got to be the food references. It would not. Every time it's mandatory. If you know, you know. But we appreciate you joining us. Everybody, be sure to go follow Zach and all of their podcasts as well, too. Keep yourself up to date on all things football as well. We will see you all again next week.